Hey everyone, it's Joel here. Now I'm sure that you know the drill by now, but if you don't, you can catch all six of our weekend gatherings online by going to our website, soulrevivalchurch.com. And we wanted to let you know that we are really excited to see how these hard times have made us operate better as a church, and we pray that many more people would come to know Jesus because of it. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is the Sunday afternoon gathering at Kirawee. Well, one of the great things we get to do is uh, call to God in prayer. Um, he's always more willing to listen to us than we are even to speak to him. And uh, Anna has joined us this afternoon, all the way from Gaimia. Uh, Hi. And she's going to pray uh, for us. But before we pray, um, we're going to catch up with how they're going, as we've been doing with everyone in these meetings. We've just been catching up with each other, checking how we're travelling and what are the challenges and what are the un expected blessings um, that have come out of this time. So Anna, um, how is the Ware household travelling at the moment? We're going all right. We have been home um, for two weeks. The kids have been off school for and Brad's still been working. Um, but the kids and I have been staying at home mostly and getting through their schoolwork. And we're, I'm a pretty optimistic person, so I've been trying to stay positive positive and keep the morale. We've been lots of card games and board games and um, getting a bit tired of it actually, but um, we'll just keep going and yeah, try and make the most of a bad situation. Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, um, there's some unexpected blessings that can come out of this uh, challenging time as well. So what have been some of those things for, you, for your family, do you think, uh, some unexpected uh, blessings? Um, yeah, well, we've been spending a lot more time together because we're the only company that we've got. But at least, um, you know, they've got siblings so they can play together a lot and they're getting to, yeah, just spend quality time together. I can imagine when they're 60 years old and their grandchildren are saying, what did you do during the 2020, you know, pandemic? And they would say, oh, it was actually really good. We had lots of quality family times and that will be their memory. So, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. We'll see how it really pans out. Yeah, that's great. We really hope that that's the way a lot of us uh, will remember this time. And hopefully in, by the time we've got grandchildren, we might be saying, oh, which one's which, which pandemic after which? We're not sure what's going to happen after this time. But yeah, well, yeah, it's, great. it's great you could be with us anyway this afternoon. And thanks for coming and praying for us. Ah, no worries. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Creator God, Lord over every single thing, you are in control. Please help us remember this as we go through 2020. In the good times, we have learnt about you, praised you for how faithful and trustworthy you are, and we've rejoiced at how you have given us everything we've ever needed and more. We are used to these good times, Lord, and we're unaccustomed to life as we know it with restricted freedoms and the threat of this deadly virus infecting us and our loved ones every day. Through each day, please help us to remember what we learnt in those good times, that you are faithful and trustworthy and that you are in ultimate control. We fear for the health of ourselves and our loved ones and especially the vulnerable in our lives, Lord. We pray and ask you that you will keep us all safe, that you will give wisdom to us all 
as we make decisions daily as to when we should go out, where we should go and for what reasons. We pray that you'll give wisdom to the leaders in our country as well and to the leaders right across the world as they make decisions that affect millions of lives. May we get on top of this pandemic in Australia and may we as a country be generous and be able to help and use our, other, our resources to help other less fortunate countries who need it. Father God, Paul encourages us to give thanks in all circumstances. And so no matter how hard this may be, we thank you for the current circumstances. We thank you for the people who will come to know you through this. We thank you for the strength and perseverance and faith that will deepen, develop and grow in all of us through this time of suffering. And we thank you for all of the things that you are doing that we have no idea about. Thank you, Lord. We also thank you for our church and the talents of many volunteers and staff alike who are able to put together our online services. We thank you for the wonderful members who are active in showing love to others in our congregation, even though we don't physically meet together. We thank you for the many, many phone calls and conversations that have been had, making sure that people are feeling connected. But Lord, we pray for those who are not feeling connected. This can be a very stressful time for those who are suffering with loneliness, depression, OCD, bipolar disorder, other mental health issues. Staying indoors and isolating oneself can have adverse effects on everyone's mental health, Lord, but especially on those with a diagnosis, and we pray especially for them. We ask that you will be working in their lives, comforting them, and may they seek help if they need it. May they be assured that they are never alone and that you are watching over them always. Please help us to always be thinking of all the people we know at this time and be seeking contact with them, calling them, checking in to see how they're going. We do not know that you will deliver us all safely through this trial, but we are assured that you will deliver us from sin and hell through Jesus' death on the cross, and we thank you. Thank you for delivering us from this world, the world that can be so fun and happy and enjoyable but can also be so hard, depressing and unbearable at times. Thank you for delivering us from our sin so that we can look forward to the promise of eternal life, one without crying or mourning or death or pain. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. It'd be awesome to, if you could open up your Bible at home um, and read along with me. He, Jesus, went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil, because of the Son of Man. 
Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Well, before we uh, have a chance to think about that passage, I have a question for you. Have you ever reflected on just how unexpected the teaching of the Bible can be? And when you think about it, Christianity is a upside down, back to front kind of religion. It's just so surprising to our ears how it teaches. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the letter of James, where it starts off by saying, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I don't know about you, but when I face trials, I don't exactly experience joy. That's unexpected. And then today in the reading, we hear Jesus say, blessed are the poor, the hungry, the sad. We would expect the opposite. And then just to underline his point, he then says, woe to you who are rich, the well-fed, the happy. They're the type of people that we think are blessed. So what's going on there? And the next week, Christianity is going to have a memorial day where they remember, where we remember the brutal execution of an innocent man. And we call that day Good Friday. I mean, how could anything so horrid be considered good? Well, if you want to hear more about that, you need to tune in next Friday, don't you? Well, with all these unexpected turns and teachings in the Bible, um, it's important that we call upon God for his help so that we can understand it correctly and respond to it rightly. So why don't we pray now to him uh, at this time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, but we also humbly admit that we need your help. That sometimes it's not easy to understand, it takes us by surprise and it's unexpected. And so Lord, we do pray you would have us uh, give us minds that can understand your word, hearts that are soft to obey it. So Lord, we do pray now for your spirit to come and so that we might understand your word correctly and respond to it rightly. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're just a few days away from Easter. Uh, and so we thought it would be helpful in the, coming, the weeks coming up to Easter to reflect upon Jesus and some of his ministry. And so we've been looking at the Gospel of Luke. And our reading today sets a very expansive scene. Have a look at verse 17 with me. It says that Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. Now, some of those places might mean nothing to you. You might have no idea where they are. So a little geography lesson first. From Judea and Jerusalem in the south to the towns of Tyre and Sidon in the north, that's a stretch of over 200 kilometres. People had come from that far and wide to hear Jesus. The news about Jesus was spreading fast and people were swarming to be with him. And it's not hard to see why. 
Have a look at verse 18. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. It's a lovely picture, isn't it? An amazing picture. It's like power was just flowing out of him and healing anybody who was near. I mean, from the beginning of the gospel, we've actually seen Jesus' power and his absolute command over things, his absolute command over evil, demons cast out with a word, his power over sickness and disease when the lame and the disease are healed with nothing more than a touch. See, friends, this is Jesus in all his vast authority. And the crowds follow. They jostle with each other to get close to him, to hear him speak and to be healed by him. See, in the presence of Jesus, good things happen. His power overcomes evil. It overcomes disease. And when we think about it, the hospital for us is a sobering place, isn't it? I mean, it's a real reminder of our fragility. And at this time, it's one of the most frightening things that we think we won't have enough hospital beds to prop up all the sick. But imagine if Jesus was with us, if he was physically with us. We wouldn't need any hospitals. He could simply walk into them. And then one person after another, after another, after another would be completely healed. And could you imagine the crowds swarming to be near him? And that's what these verses are reminding us of. They're reminding us of who it is that we're dealing with. And this is why we love the Gospels, because in them we get this lovely little snapshot of Jesus in action, a glimpse of the kingdom of heaven, of what it's going to be like to be physically present with Jesus in his new creation. And can you picture it? No more social isolation, no more viral pandemics or, or any kind of disease or disability. No more hospitals, no more funerals, no more poverty or hunger, no more sadness. Don't you want that? And so it's not surprise. Not surprising to see that crowds are swarming to be with Jesus. And it's at this moment he lifts his eyes to his disciples and he says, Blessed are you. Now, to be blessed is to be happy, to be fortunate, I mean, to be a, a direct recipient of God's favour. There's no surprises there. That's how we're to understand that word. But what's the surprise is that the pathway to blessing is very different to what we expect. Here we see the teaching of Jesus actually fly straight in the face of society's values and desires. Well, to our eyes and ears, I mean, who is the blessed person? Who's the happy person? It would be the financially secure, would it not? Where the wage is organised and, and good, where the mortgage is sorted, where the health plan is in place. I mean, who are the, the blessed? Aren't they the, the happy, the well-fed? Those with foods on the table and the pantry fully stocked. And who, who are the people that are experiencing emotional joy? Aren't they the blessed? Those that are in a happy family with a loving spouse, kids that are satisfied, getting every opportunity in life, looking beautiful, just like the one we have here on screen. These are happy, blessed family. That's the picture we get. 
And what about the socially included? We would say they're blessed too. The ones that are invited to the parties, the ones that are welcomed into the club like an old friend. Well, Jesus' teaching, it seems to fly flatly in the face of this view. It seems to contradict this view. He turns the popular understanding of blessing and turns it squarely on its head. So from verse 20 we see this. Blessed are you who are poor, but woe to you who are rich. Blessed are you who hunger, but woe to you who are well fed. Blessed are you who weep, woe to you who laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. So what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that we're blessed if we are indeed financially insecure, physically needy, emotionally distressed and socially excluded? Is that what he's saying? Well, it sort of seems that. At first glance, that's what it seems to be saying. Um, over the many years, many people have taught that idea that God's spiritual favour will come upon those who are poor, who are indeed in need and in distress. But what's needed here is a more careful reading of the Bible. Because as we read the Bible, we're actually going to see a broader view. Now, before we see that broader view, without a doubt, we need to say that God has obviously a very real concern for the poor, the needy and the vulnerable. All through the scriptures we see commands, clear commands for their care. But as Jesus speaks of the poor, the hungry and the sad, it would be altogether wrong that he's speaking about those who are literally poor, financially poor or emotionally distressed. So the question then remains, who are the poor? Who are the sad? Who are the hungry? Well, the language itself comes out of the Old Testament. And Jesus himself uh, makes an allusion to one of these uh, teachings at the beginning of his ministry. Back in chapter 4, Jesus is at the beginning of his public ministry and he's in a synagogue at Nazareth. And he's there that someone hands him the scroll of Isaiah. And Jesus reads that scroll and applies it to his ministry. He comes to chapter 61 and he says this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to whom? To the poor. So here's the prophet of Isaiah talking about the poor. Now who, who's he talking about? And who's this, who's this group of people that Jesus is going to minister to? So going back to the Old Testament, who is Isaiah writing to? Well, it's God's people, but they're in exile. Jerusalem has been destroyed the spiritual state of the nation and God's reputation are in tatters and so they weep and mourn by the rivers of Babylon. So who are the poor and the sad in the prophecy of Isaiah? Well, they are God's people in exile. They are out of God's presence and so they're desperately sad and in mourning. So there's a broader understanding here in the context of Isaiah and the Old Testament when the poor are not necessarily the financially insecure it's referring to the poor in spirit. In other words, those who are deeply aware that they need God's help they need to be brought back into relationship with him. Now we could illustrate this with other Old Testament references but it would be easier now just to actually hear Jesus clear it up himself from his own lips 
in Matthew's Gospel, we have an expanded record of this sermon where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, that clears things up for us, doesn't it? In this passage, the poor doesn't just equal all people everywhere who suffer financial need. The poor are those who are deeply aware of their desperate need for God's help. Now, among this group of people, there will be people who are financially poor, but it will also include everybody, no matter their financial circumstances, that understand they need God's help. And so, unpacking some of the other descriptions in Jesus' sermon here. Who are the hungry? It's those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness to come, for God's righteous kingdom to be established. Who are those who weep? It's those who weep and mourn over their separation from God, their sin and their failure before him. And who are the rejected and excluded? Well, they're the ones that are, that are hated because of their allegiance to Jesus. Jesus makes that abundantly clear as he explains in his, in his sermon. And at this point about talking about rejection and persecution, it makes me think, I wonder what the disciples were thinking at this point. Because they've only just been called to follow Jesus. They've, they've take, you know, stood up and followed him. And now Jesus looks directly at them and says from verse 22, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because they followed him. Jesus says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. Friends, ultimately there is great reward in following Jesus, but there's also the prospect of persecution. Indeed, the Bible states this even more intensely, stating that, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's the teaching of the New Testament. And as we look at the gospel, we see it so obviously that there, don't we? We see the opposition to Jesus has already been visible from the opening passages of the gospel. And it intensifies and it intensifies and it intensifies until they nail Jesus to the cross. And if that's how they're going to treat Jesus, well, that's the way they're going to treat the people who follow him. Well, as the disciples are chewing that over, we need to remember that there was actually a, a vast crowd listening in as well. And as Jesus preaches, he's actually calling to them. Who's he calling to? He's calling to those who know their spiritual poverty before God. The call is to those who are hungry for God's righteousness to intervene in their lives. The call is to those to weep over their spiritual failure and their separation from God. And Jesus says... Blessed are you, because I'm here. The kingdom has arrived. All the blessings of the kingdom now will flow through Jesus. Forgiveness of sin, renewal into righteousness, adoption as God's children, and eternal glory. Just to, to name a few of the blessings that flow from Jesus. So friends, here's the bottom line. The call is to have a right response to God, to have a right attitude as we stand before him. John Newton uh, was a slave trader who became a Christian. You've probably heard his hymn, Amazing Grace. You'd know it well. 
He wrote many letters and in one of his letters he wrote this. He said this, Although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I'm a great sinner and Christ is a great saviour. Isn't that true? The more we get to know ourselves, the more we discover how much of a failure we are before God. And conversely, the more we get to know Jesus, the more we can be assured of his saving power. So yes, we are great sinners, but Jesus is a great saviour. Well, the sermon begins by the promises of blessing to those with the right attitude to God. But now Jesus concludes with a warning to the arrogant. In these days of social isolation and spreading, that sort of thing, it might be hard to picture a crowd, but there's lots of places where we can picture crowds from our, our not-too-distant memory. Crowds at a sporting event, crowds in the city, crowds in the shopping centre. In those crowds, there's people of all sorts of, all sorts of people there. I want you to picture a few people with me. Picture a man from the top end of town. Everything's going well for him. He's uh, well off financially. His health plan's in place. He's a successful family. Three cars at home in a triple garage a holiday house by the sea. Now, what is Jesus' verdict on that man's life? Well, if he's quite content in his own worldly wealth and trust in that and knows no poverty toward God, well, Jesus says this, Woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Here's another person, a woman. She's a great entertainer. She has a beautiful home that's the perfect setting for catch-ups for friends. She's a gourmet cook who constant, constantly amazes all her friends with gastronomic extravaganzas. She has a great passion for socialising, but she's no hunger toward God. And Jesus says, Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Here's another person, a young man just starting out in his career, just started the job and for the first time is getting a salary, real money. He's just put down uh, a loan to get his first new car. Life's great. Heaps of friends, a time of maximum freedom, minimum responsibility and he's living life to the full. But in his youthful excitement he has no, no sadness about his failures before God. And Jesus says, Woe to you who laugh now for you will mourn and weep. Here's one last person, a young woman, let's say, a sharp communicator, a powerful advocate for all types of people. Everyone just speaks so highly of her because she actively defends any kind of thinking and lifestyle. She loves the popular acceptance and so rejects things that are unfashionable, unfashionable ways of thinking just like a type of Christianity that might teach the exclusive claims of Jesus. And Jesus says, Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. Well, there you go. Really, a two-part sermon. 
blessings on the one hand, warnings on the other. But from a worldly point of view, a completely unexpected way to understand them. The key is to have a godly understanding, a humble admission of our need before God, a hunger for his intervention in our lives. Friends, we need to be honest with ourselves, don't we? We need to be honest with ourselves and, and honest to God to come to him in our time of need. And that time is now to embrace the blessing on offer by humbly depending upon God. And thanks be to Jesus who unlocks every spiritual blessing for those who cling to him, who depend on him, to be welcomed into the kingdom of God, to rest in his righteousness, to have comfort in forgiveness and to rejoice in the hope of eternal life. Why don't we pray to God in prayer now? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for your word. But we admit that we need your help. We admit that we so often drift away from you and try to do things in our own strength. We can be arrogant and proud. So Lord, please help us not to be like that. Help us to be the people who are hungry for your intervention in our lives, to see you change our hearts from sin to forgiveness. And we do pray that you would do these things through Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixon.